everyone. Welcome to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm CNN's Josh Campbell filling in for David Chalian, who will be back tomorrow. We're coming to you live from Los Angeles, California at the Novo Theater. This will be the site of CNN's town hall uh, in partnership with the HRC, focusing on LGBT issues with the top Democratic candidates. CNN's all-star political team has descended upon Southern California. And as a member, and I'm pleased to join, be joined today uh, by one of those all-stars, Nia Malika Henderson, <laughs> CNN's senior political reporter. Welcome, Nia. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, keep calling me an all-star through this entire podcast, and I will love that very much. Deal, deal. <laughs> so much to cover. Uh, I mean, it seems that in these days, within the span of an hour, there might yeah. be five new stories. Uh, but we're talking about impeachment watch today and this impeachment inquiry, which is very much underway. I want to start because just yesterday, there were a trio of polls that were released uh, showing American support and investigation into accusations that President Trump asked Ukraine to probe his 2020 rival, Joe Biden. Uh, But they're not sold on the idea necessarily of the president being removed from office. Just to tick through a a few of them. So the Washington Post says that nearly three in five of Americans support the impeachment inquiry. Nearly half want Trump removed. 38% don't. Quinnipiac, it's a little less. 45% support impeachment and removal. 49% don't. Uh, In an NBC Wall Street Journal poll, 43% support impeachment and removal. 49% don't. Now, just within the span of a few minutes ago, the president himself has tweeted some polling results of his own. Uh, We are working to determine where that data came (laughs) from. He says that 25% of people support impeachment. I think he might be talking about 25% of Republicans. What do you make of the numbers as it relates to public opinion? Yeah, I mean, that 25% of Republicans, and I can't remember which poll uh, that he's talking about there. Of course, in that tweet, he's not saying Republicans. But that's actually a pretty startling number, right? One in four Republicans uh, in a different place, right, than they were before. And I think if you are Democrats, uh, and this has been going on for, what, about 10 days or so, almost two weeks, they should be happy about these numbers. It's almost dead even in terms of where the public is. You look back a couple of you know weeks ago before this Ukraine a scandal, the public wasn't there. They were like 37% or something like that were there in terms of uh, thinking that the president should be impeached, removed from office. And so now you have a public who's listening, right? Who's paying attention. This impeachment inquiry is, is going on. You know, it's only in its first days, a lot of bombshells so far. It's almost hard to believe that so much information has come out in such a short period of time. So I think if you are Nancy Pelosi, who was always mindful of where she could get the public, where the public would be in terms of impeachment, in terms of would this be a divisive issue, or could she get some measure of buy-in from Republicans? Certainly not, you know, you you can't imagine a place where Republicans would be 50% for impeachment, 50% against, but that 25% number, I think if you are the president and you're looking at a quarter of your your party thinking that this is a legitimate inquiry and that you should be impeached, uh, that's got to be worrisome. No, no doubt. And what do you think is happening inside the room uh, on both sides of this issue? So both with Democrats in Congress and also at the White House, do you think that they're staring at these poll numbers in real time and then calibrating or recalibrating their response to impeachment? Or do you think that there's more of a longer term game at play? Yeah, I think if you are, it's sort of both, right? You're mindful of this, of public 
public sentiment. And you're certainly uh, looking at these polls if you're Donald Trump, because we know he himself is obsessed with polls, right? I don't think many of the other Democrats who are involved in this, Nancy Pelosi, for instance, are tweeting poll numbers mm-hmm. about this. She's looking at what is the evidence? How do you proceed on this? What does it mean that you've got a White House now that seems to be uh, taking this position that they're going to stonewall this in investigation? Nancy Pelosi is taking this very, very seriously. She did not want to be here. This is a somber moment, she has said, for the the country, a serious moment. And so I don't think she's by any means looking at data in her office about poll numbers, but it's certainly in the back of her mind that things seem to be sort of moving her way in terms of more support for impeachment. Yeah, no doubt. And it's interesting when you when we talk about the possible responses or how each side is, you know, trying to appeal to public opinion. One uh, tactic or strategy that we saw just yesterday from the White House was this letter uh, that the White House released publicly and sent over to Congress, uh, essentially saying that it considers the impeachment inquiry illegitimate and that the Trump administration won't be cooperating with Congress. Now, the letter is filled with political talking points, uh, not necessarily legal arguments, right. so more of a, a polemic than anything else. What did you take of that? What did you make of that letter? Yeah, it's a long letter, right? It's eight eight pages or so, and it gives a sense of what this administration's strategy is going to be, which is that they're not going to cooperate. We got kind of a preview of this uh, last week when we saw Secretary Mike Pompeo essentially say, listen, uh, folks from the State Department aren't going to cooperate with this because he felt like folks in Congress were bullying and all that sort of stuff. So he's barred, at least for now, uh, folks who work in the State Department uh, from from participating in this inquiry. You know, it's not surprising that the White House is doing this. It's in some ways a continuation of uh, this idea idea that there's a deep state conspiracy, that the media is part of it, that the Democrats are part of it, and, and that all along they have wanted to uh, up in the result of the 2016 campaign. I think the inconvenient part of using that argument is A, they've used that argument before, mm-hmm. and B, the transcript, right? The right. memo of this call uh, is a kind of smoking gun. I'm sure the White House is kicking themselves over and over again uh, for releasing this transcript because the president says, uh, you know, can you do me a favor to the the president of Ukraine as well as look into to the Biden. So that is something that no one wants to talk about. So they want to focus on process. I think if you're an American, it's very easy to understand uh, what the president did wrong on this call, but instead they feel like if, if they can kind of get their base ginned up on process arguments and deep state arguments, uh, they can win that way. We'll see. Yeah. And speaking of process, uh, in addition to this letter that came out, which uh, per- appears to be signaling that uh, they're not going to cooperate, that, you know, some would say perhaps uh, obstruction, uh, they did something else to Team Trump, and that is a familiar face, a familiar name has now resurfaced. Uh, reports that former uh, Republican Congressman Trey Gowdy has reportedly joined the Trump's uh, Trump's impeachment legal team. Obviously, this is someone who led the Benghazi investigation, has been no stranger uh, to high-profile issues. In the past, he has also weighed in on obstruction. Let's listen to something that he said. The notion that you can withhold information and documents from Congress, no matter whether you're the party in power or not in power, is wrong. Respect for the rule of law must mean something irrespective of the vicissitudes of political cycles. 
Now, of course, he is not talking about uh, this year, 2019. Right. This is from Days Gone By. What do you make of that? You know, that was then, and this is now. That was, of course, when Trey Gowdy was in a very different position over the Benghazi uh, Select Committee in the House. At some point, he was also over the uh, House Oversight Committee as well. And his, he was going after Hillary Clinton in, in some respect and after the Obama administration uh, more broadly. Now he is in a very different place. He's in private practice down in South Carolina. It looks like he's going to join join this team. You know, he's somebody who's very effective on television. He was a Fox News analyst. And I think if you're the president over the last couple of days, if you've looked on TV, and we know this president spends a lot of time uh, watching TV, you haven't seen a lot of folks out there making coherent, legal, persuasive arguments in his favor, right? So I think if you're this, if you're this White House, you feel like you bring in somebody who's been there before, who's a lawyer, who's good at TV, who's a good effective communicator, and we'll see how that goes over. Yeah, we'll wait and see how this decision plays into this larger strategy and the specific role that he ends up playing. Nia, thank you so much for being with us. I know you were preparing. You're going to be a part of the moderating the town hall, uh, which is here in L.A., so that is coming up. Thanks for making time for us. We will be uh, taking a quick break right now. When we come back, we'll be speaking with former White House counsel John Dean uh, to get some insight from his perspective on the ongoing impeachment inquiry. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Josh Campbell with you. I'm joined here uh, with Nia Malika Henderson, still in studio, CNN's senior political reporter. And we're very happy to welcome former Nixon White House counsel John Dean. John, welcome. Thank you. So we have been talking about the ongoing impeachment inquiry, uh, obviously so much happening within the span of seemingly a couple hours, uh, new news uh, coming up. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts as we look at an administration uh, that is very much under fire right now. They're facing this impeachment inquiry. Uh, there are new revelations that continue to come to light as far as the president's dealing with the Ukraine. Uh, obviously, a whistleblower now coming forward, maybe two whistleblowers that may have information that's relevant that uh, could you know, that probably won't bode well for the future of this presidency if Democrats are successful in moving forward with formal impeachment. I'm curious about how you think that that plays into uh, what we're likely to see in the coming weeks. But first, I want you to listen to uh, audio from someone who was once in a position speaking about an administration under fire. I gave considerable thought to how I would present this situation to the president and try to make as dramatic a presentation as I could to tell him how serious I thought the situation was that the cover-up continue. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency, and if the cancer was not removed, the president himself would be killed by it. I also told him that it was important that this cancer be removed immediately because it was growing more deadly every day. Now, that, of course, was you in a different place in time, uh, days gone by. As you hear yourself and as you think back on Watergate, talk, talk about some of the parallels to today. Do you think that there is a cancer growing on this presidency, as you said before? Well, actually, at that time, I was trying to put the administration under fire. We were in a battle. Uh, they decided I would make a good scapegoat for the cover-up. I didn't think I liked that role very well at all. So it was open war at that point, And Reading later uh, of Nixon's reaction to my testimony, 
He really was not concerned about what I had to say about Watergate. He said it was everything else I said, because I tried to put it all in context. That's one of the things that's happening today. Nobody's putting what's happening in this presidency in context. We're looking at isolated events, isolated abuses, and there really are, they are of a pattern. And hopefully somebody will weave that all together and we'll look at the bigger picture of what indeed is happening with this presidency. Well, it's interesting because you were obviously you played an instrumental role in helping inform the public about what was going on behind the scenes. And that was obviously very uh, pivotal occurrence for the public to hear from you. Is there a John Dean of today inside this administration or perhaps formerly in the administration that can serve that same role in your view? I thought that Don McGahn, who had been White House counsel, should have taken that job and taken that that task. Uh, the White House counsel today represents the office of the president, not the person who is in the presidency. Uh, that wasn't true in my day. That wasn't cleared. They really didn't clarify that until post-Watergate. Uh, but I think McGahn could well fill that role yet. Uh, he's going to be forced to testify eventually. Just question a time before the court rules that... Uh, he must indeed honor a subpoena. Those are proceeding at snail space through the courts right now. But all this could b- break loose. And this is very similar to what happened during uh, Watergate and Nixon. Things would quietly disappear, and then they'd pop up when the court would make a decision. Uh, public uh, looks for uh, things to be resolved in 90 minutes or, or, or less, right. uh, where the beginning, middle, end of the show all happens. It really doesn't happen that way in real life. So you think that the, the there's much more to come and sort of the shoes are going to drop slowly, even though so far the speed at which this thing has happened, what it's 10 days, two weeks or so. And I guess, how do you think that speed matters in terms of how the public understands everything? I think speed is faster today because of the media. I think the, the Internet, the social media, uh, broadcast network, cable, Uh, much, much more media today. So the cycles go faster. There really is no uh, clear news cycle. News breaks when it happens today. So I think things will go faster. Uh, But still, I think it's going to take time. The public hasn't really started paying attention until very recently. Uh, The polls are starting to show that. They're now very clearly a majority in virtually every poll that supports an inquiry. Increasing numbers are supporting removal. So we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, but they, the White House is offering no real defense at this point. They're just all talking process. Well, why aren't you giving us due process? Why, well, they are getting due process, but uh, they're making process arguments, an eight-page letter that is really raises just a lot of absurd uh, political and, and playing to the base sort of responses uh, that uh, charging Nancy Pelosi with being unfair. And uh, in the long run, the process will work its way out. I, I keep thinking of the parallel that has always been true about a, an impeachment. The House acts like a grand jury. Grand juries are not open proceedings. You don't get a chance to confront your witnesses. Uh, the trial level is if the grand jury decides 
to charge, here in this instance, the House, uh, then there is a much different set of procedures. No, absolutely. And one thing I want to ask you about as far as strategy goes, and I think this is would be very enlightening for the listeners. Uh, so you have a White House under fire, which you served in a White House that was under fire. Walk us through what you think is going on right now as far as uh, getting all hands on deck, some would say circling the wagons. One thing that was very fascinating, I had interviewed you for the book that I just wrote on Trump's war on the intelligence community. And one thing that really stuck out that you told me that's in the book is that you think that had there been a Fox News during the day of Watergate, that Watergate may have ended up very differently from Nixon. So what do you think is going on right now inside the White House as far as getting these allies all on the same page and getting the messaging out? They're not very good at that right now. In fact, they're not telling the members of of Congress what they're doing when they're doing it. They had a witness, uh, uh, Ambassador Sundland was supposed to show up or not show up. They didn't know. They thought he was coming. No one told him they weren't. So their allies in Congress were not in the loop. Uh, And then it was canceled. This is not the way you can operate. As Bill Clinton did during his impeachment, he had a war room and it ran very well. They were very effective in dealing with Congress and dealing with the public and keeping the work of the White House going. Uh, So far, the Trump White House seems just the normal chaos. Uh, They don't have any separate uh, operation for impeachment. Uh, They have enough trouble getting daily assignments done, this this, uh, switch of policy on Syria. No one was told, not even the generals in the Defense Department. Uh, This is a very chaotic president. I don't expect it to really get fixed up and and smoothed out for impeachment. So the Senate, Lindsey Graham has indicated that they might bring Rudy Giuliani before the Senate to testify. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? More craziness? What's your sense? Well, I've not seen Rudy be particularly effective at anything he's done other than to be crazy. I doubt if he will do that, because while he might enjoy testifying in front of the Republicans, I don't think he'd like being cross-examined by the Democrats on the Senate committee. So I I doubt if he'll show up for that. Uh, The other thing is he would be sworn. Uh, He has a high risk uh, because he's going to get cross-examined. So I don't know if he will even do it. Is it a good idea? I wouldn't want him speaking for me. Yeah, it's fascinating, John. We'll have to wait and see uh, what happens, whether the White House continues the pattern of uh, obstructing and stonewalling this investigation uh, or whether they choose a different tack. It's yet to be seen. Nia, finally, I want to ask you real quick, what do you think looking forward ahead of tomorrow? What are the big revelations that you think will happen and which you'll be looking for? You know, that's the thing. I mean, the way this thing has, has moved, you just don't know from day to day what to expect. One of the things you want to look at is Republicans, right? Is there any uh, sort of break or cracks in uh, their defense of the president? It's for now, it's basically process. Uh, folks are out in their districts now, in their home states. They're facing questions from folks in the audience about where they stand on on the impeachment. Excellent insight for um, two great guests. Nia John, thanks so much for joining me here on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to those for listening. We've got a new podcast every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or comment. It really helps others to find the show. I'm CNN's Josh Campbell in for David Chalian. We'll see you tomorrow.